episode of Setting the Tone, and in our retrospective, the show where we do a chronological breakdown of every episode of our favorite TV medical drama. My name is Elizabeth, and with me today, as always, are Lauren. Hello. And Daniel. Hey. Today we'll be discussing Season 8, Episode 3, which is titled Blood, Sugar, Sex, Magic. The episode aired on October 11, 2001. Lauren, what was going on that week 21 years ago? Oh, it just keeps getting better, guys. Uh... After Taliban leaders in Afghanistan refused President Bush's demands to extradite al-Qaeda leader and orchestrator of the 9-11 attacks, Osama bin Laden, the U.S. announces Operation Enduring Freedom, an invasion and occupation of Afghanistan, and part of President Bush's new war on terror. The occupation would eventually last 20 years, 10 years after bin Laden was finally found and killed by U.S. Navy SEALs, the war wound up costing nearly $2 trillion and was the longest in U.S. history, resulting in approximately 212,000 deaths, including nearly 49,000 civilians. Just, I, I I, am trying really hard to resist <laughs> going into my we'll, dissertation. We'll, we'll, have, a, we'll, have, we'll have a chance. Much? We will have a chance to uh, expand on that ever yeah. so slightly. We'll keep a lid on L- it, but uh, in Lizzie, the what else is on section. You can, you can just... Um, our lounge this weekend. You can just bitch about the war in Afghanistan. I can just bitch about hour. how much Bush is a war criminal. Yes, you can. That can be Lizzie's Christmas lounge episode. Um, Pennsylvania Governor Tom Ridge resigns to become the first ever Secretary of Homeland Security for President Bush, as well as the first director of the newly created Department of Homeland Security. Uh, Training Day, the crime drama starring Denzel Washington and Ethan Hawke debuts and takes the number one spot at the box office and Fallen by Alicia Keys remains the number one song. Daniel, what else was on? Oh boy, at 8 p.m. we had W addressing the nation. All four major networks uh, are preempted, of course, uh, so that good old W can... uh, let us know what he's got going on. This is where he announces and during um, the so the operation itself uh, begins on October seventh, uh, which I believe would have been that Sunday or that Monday of that week. Yeah. Um, this I think was his first uh, his first public comments about the uh, ongoing operation. Gotcha. Uh, so yeah. Uh, and, and it was also, um, I guess somewhat unique in that it wasn't a, um, like oval office address. It wasn't just him talking straight down the barrel to a camera. It was, um, kind of a press conference. Um, Mm. so it was done from, uh, the East room and it was, he gave his like little speech and his little spiel about what all we were doing at the time. And then took some questions from reporters and things like that. I'm sorry, Number but you... one, s- how dare you? You said it was a press conference, and I just thought of the thing of the guy throwing his shoe at him. Yeah, yeah. We're still quite a ways away from that, unfortunately. I know, yeah. but that's just but... where my brain went. And we're sooner yeah. than you think before the mission accomplished poster. Oh, God. Oh, God. Okay, God. Dan- Daniel, Daniel, what else was on? Yeah, so that does preempt everything on the night, which pushes things way, way off schedule. Um, so we don't get our first show of the night until around the 9 o'clock hour when Friends checks in with the episode The One Where Rachel Tells. Uh, presumably how they're going to hunt down and kill Osama Bin Laden. Uh, and at 9.30, Wait. Will and Grace with the episode Crouching Father, Hidden Husband. I did not realize until I read that episode title how much I don't miss the Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon-ish uh, titles in yep. shows. Like I, That was a thing for like way too long after that movie uh, happened. 
Uh, and everyone at, freaked out about the movie. Yeah. Uh, this is a good movie. Yeah, it's a good, good movie. Uh, and at 10 p.m., just shoot me with the episode The Two Faces of Finch, Part 1 of 2, which, if you're keeping score at home, uh, means that if you uh, were on the East Coast, you had to stay up until the ripe hour of 10.30 p.m., meaning you probably didn't get to hear Malucci call uh, Weaver a Nazi dyke until somewhere around 11.15 Eastern. Hope you're glad you stayed up late for that one. Uh, this week's episode had 21.6 very... 21.6 million very sleepy viewers tuning into this one directed by Richard Thorpe doing his 16th out of 31 previous ones of his uh, from last season included where the heart is thy will be done and Benton backwards and written by the team of R Scott Gemmel doing his ninth of 32 uh, his from last season included fear of commitment, witch hunt surrender peace of mind and Mars attacks and Elizabeth Hunter doing her third out of four episodes. Uh, previous ones of hers included Survival of the Fittest and The Greatest of Gifts. And our previously on is brought to us by Carter, and we took note of the reshoot of, in in the actual, in the recap, mm-hmm. of New Rachel, our first yeah. appearance. Yeah. We'll get into the who's of, of Rachel too uh, later. But I, I always, I of course, remembered that they did this, uh, but I was really shocked at how, like, kind of amateurish it is (laughs) like looking at it now like it is so very obvious that these two people are not in the same place and like they still use uh what's her name the rachel one in the last shot of it where she's looking off it from you're seeing her from the backside like it's just oh boy gotta try to stitch together that continuity but anyway uh benton's heading out for the day jackie's gonna babysit reese and oh my god Reese is my MVP of this episode. Honest to God, he's just the most adorable. He has the does the most adorable little fist bump with Benton, and I want to die. Yep, it's so good. I love I love how like proud of himself he looks when he finishes it too. Like he 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 knocks it out, and then you can just see like a little grin on his face. Like he's just happy with himself. Yeah, I would be. Um. But then we go over to Carter, who's laying out on the lawn listening to Blood Sugar Sex Magic by the Red Hot Chili Peppers. And Gamma wants to make him an appointment with her doctor about his back, because, you know, he fell and he's still got that old injury from getting stabbed. Um, And he goes, this isn't orthopedic, Gamma. I was stabbed. Like, great. Um, And this is also where he knocks, she knocks over, like, his pitcher of water or something breaks glass everywhere he steps on and his bare feet will be a plot point later but he says he's a ninja so he clearly can't get glass in his feet (laughs) yep of course but abby's at luca's apartment looking for things uh short skirt long jacket one one of my probably so good the best cake songs yeah really really the only one you need in my opinion no no oh my god why can't i think of the other one the distance is also oh yeah the distance is good too yeah that's true yeah i forget what's the Diana Ross song they cover. Uh, you lost me there. I'm sure I could find it in two minutes while you finish. Maybe what it's not Diana there? Ross, but they do a really weird, a really good cover of some song. Anyway, um, but she, she takes the CD as well, and on her way out, she knocks over the coat rack and realizes the aquarium is cracked and leaking a little bit. Ruh-roh. Oh, oh I will survive. Yeah, I will survive. Is that who's that uh, originally by? Gloria Gaynor. Okay, excuse me. But yeah, uh, I will survive. Cover is excellent. Okay. And we're in with bangs. And then we come out of the intro to Mark and Lizzie headed into work together. Lizzie complaining about lack of sleep, mood, 
Uh, Abby is on the phone asking about prices to replace the fish tank. Fish tanks are fucking expensive. Yeah, mm-hmm. those those oh. things are ridiculous. Oh. Aquariums. Uh, we hear from Randy that Carrie is on the warpath, taking her own histories on patients and seeing everyone herself clearly uh, overcompensating uh, off of the events of last episode. Uh, we see Mark giving a girl Bactrim without even really examining her that well. Uh, patient's name is Candy, uh, and she is played by actress Bonnie Burrows, who is in stuff like Easy A, Hard to Kill, and the TV series Prison Break. And uh, we uh, then see him examining a guy with Malik who fell off his horse while jousting, dressed as a knight. Uh, and he says, if you can walk on it, it's just a sprain, and goes ahead and discharges that guy, too. Was was Candy the guy? Or the was Candy the girl with the UTI, or is Candy the girl who's like laying face down in yeah, curtains with the butt with the with her butt out? Yeah, yeah with, with her butt, butt out. Because Candy, uh, the girl who got back trim, was the one with the UTI. Not oh, candy. fair enough. Not honestly, like it matters. I was like, we, I, honestly, I, I Candy was one of the few people in this episode that like I felt warranted a mention. Yeah, and so I was like I, scanning, and I was like looking through the notes and I was Whereas, like I don't see yeah, anything about I didn't, a butt. I didn't mention her because like we were going so fast and I was like it doesn't matter so um yeah this is my well actually moment because I took shitty notes Candy's the girl with her butt in the air not the one with the UT and also my this is my also my excuse me moment for the guys uh, who fell off who was, who was knocked jousting. off and he was yeah was jousting the closest Ren fair that people around here go to was in Wisconsin true which like just sense. over the border in Wisconsin. And then uh, our next patient is a little boy stu- with a piggy bank stuck on his hand. And Carrie asks, Mark, what the hell he's doing? When why he isn't doing full exams? And Mark's like, I'm trying to I'm trying to clear some of these patients before they eat each other. And Carrie says, the moment we become complacent is the moment we make mistakes. And Chen brings the patient over to Carrie. And Carrie just takes it over. It's like, no, I'll just, I'll just do it. And she's like, I just, I just need, I just need a question. Yeah, I just need a question answered, and then I got it. And she's like, Nope, you can go do data review instead. Ouch. Cool, real cool. Um, the EMTs bring in an abandoned newborn, maybe not two years old, two hours old. Jesus, maybe two hours old, who was left at a church. Um, Cleo and Benton are in one of the exam rooms talking about Reese, uh, still wanting to sleep with with Benton in bed because he misses Carla and Benton says, I found him walking around the apartment with his little flashlight looking for her. I want to cry. And I, this is the only spot in this episode. I'm going to put this whose films are those. And Malucci pops in and says he treated Cleo's prolapsed rectum patient with some sugar and just popped it right back in. Cleo scolds him because she was waiting for a surgical consult and asks who said he could treat the woman. And he's, and she goes, anyone could have shoved it back in. I was waiting for the surgical consult. And Malucci's like, I thought I was being helpful. She's in a lot of pain. Yeah, like, I was just doing her a favor. There's going to be several uh, uh, kind of moments like this in this episode, but, like, a lot of this episode does not go down the way that I remembered it going down mm-hmm. originally. But I also didn't realize what a speed run of the Malucci character and everything that you might find interesting about him or might, mm-hmm. might ever find endearing about him is yep. in, this, in episode. this episode. 
it's it really is remarkable how much they managed to pack into just 45 minutes there were several moments where i went god with the interview context this is fascinating right i know it it really does like kind of enhance the experience watching this because you're thinking about you know everything that was happening for that guy in his life at that time and like it really does kind of change your whole perspective on the the viewing experience and what he was trying to bring to the character even on his last right. episode like in a, in a sense it sort of feels like a both a like token gift on the way out the door but it also in the same breath feels kind of like a slap in the face on the way out the door like it kind of feels like here's all this other interesting shit we could have done with your character but we decided not to so fuck you don't let your don't let the door hit you in the ass on the way out how how dare you make us care to the last eric paladino you were such a divisive character malucci how could you make us give a shit damn it another one that we've completely 180'd on fuck Anyway, uh, Abby keeps avoiding Luca. She's just like basically just bobbing and weaving her way through the halls of the yard. It's actually quite quite amusing. And she wheels a chair full of supplies into an exam room and hides and bumps into Carter. So let's listen to their conversation. Who are you hiding from? <laughs> you giving yourself a pedicure? I think I stepped on a piece of glass. Let me see. Ow. Ooh. Yeah, you got something in there. Can we try and take it out? Yeah, please. Luca and I broke up a few days ago. Uh, why? I think both of us realized the relationship wasn't working a long time ago. Neither one of us wanted to be the one to call it. So it was amicable. No, I wouldn't say that. Sorry. Is that why you're avoiding him? Partly. I had to go over to his place this morning because I caught it. Chin needs you in drama one. What about your foot? Sorry, you're gonna have to find another excuse to hide out in here. They are really just going full throttle with Carter and Abby in this one. Yeah, and I will say that, like, I think because they lay off in some respects they lay off a little bit of the romance stuff and just kind of let them be two people on screen together and let them kind of mm-hmm. it's kind of it's more like hijinksy than it is uh any sort of like heavy duty romance stuff so like i i don't mind it as much in this episode like it doesn't bother me if anything it makes me kind of you know pine for more of the like friendship type like the mark and susan yeah. of it all like it makes me pine for more of that than it does like uh, you know, kind of give me the icks when I think about the romance aspects. Like them, like more of them, like when they pop the tire on. Yeah. 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 It's not that I dislike the two of them on screen together. It's always about context. Like the context yeah. is just gets fucked up and we just lose the thread along the way. Yeah. The two actors definitely do have chemistry though. I love their friendship. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But it begins though. Oh, and then we go over, Luca is looking for a patient's results from Malik, and Malik says, ask Abby, she was working him up. So they're going to have to talk to each other at some point this shift. And Chen asks Carter to come help on the newborn. Carter steps in, and the baby is barely reactive. Uh, Chen is trying to get an IV line in somewhere, but they can't get it. Carter successfully gets one for about five seconds, and then it infiltrates. Uh, The baby very much needs fluids, and... 
Carter says to get an umbilical line kit. It's like, oh, I did one. What do you say? What do you say? Intern. He's done yeah, one before. He's, he's done, done one before, before on the surgical on the surgical rotations. Yeah, but Chen is hesitant. Chen is very gun shy this episode. Mm-hmm. I mean, rightfully so. You know, I know she's, she's had a, a very traumatic uh, circumstances coming into this, so I can certainly understand why she wouldn't want to go right to the most complicated, uh, you know, cowboy approach. But even if Carter is insistent that he can do it, yeah. Uh, we then see a guy complaining that kids knocked him off his stilts and Mark just goes ahead and discharges him with minimal exam. Uh, we then see uh, Malucci running to check out an EMT that uh, walked in and uh, gets himself stuck in an elevator in the process. Uh, we get two oh hey it's that people here. First off the guy that is in the elevator who will become important in a moment uh, is a guy sitting in a wheelchair. He is played by actor Glenn Shaddix who was a favorite of Tim Burton's. Uh, He appeared in stuff like Beetlejuice, uh, Nightmare Before Christmas, where he is the voice of the mayor, uh, and Heathers. Uh, And he unfortunately did pass away in 2010. Uh, I always remember him from Beetlejuice, where he was the the sassy interior uh, decorator who was, like, trying to redecorate the whole house uh, for uh, Catherine O'Hara. That's another one I've never seen. Oh, I just I just watched it around Halloween this year, and it's so good. Like it, it holds up tremendously. Like I that's that's like uh, right in my Tim Burton wheelhouse. Like I, I think that's the perfect that movie for me is the perfect blend of like his brand. Anything more than that, and I I just get turned off. So Nightmare Before Christmas though is really good. Yeah, it's good. I just I, I don't have the like the intense nostalgia for it that uh, somebody like say Lauren does. Um, I, I was going to say, Lizzie doesn't have nostalgia for it because she just saw it for the first time, what, like last year? Yeah, last year we went to the, see it at, a mo- at the movie theater later for like $5. Yeah, it's it's good. I just, you know, I can kind of go take it or leave it. Uh, the other Oh Hey, It's That Person here is one I did not recognize until this episode, the EMT. Uh, she is uh, played by actress Julie Ann Emery, who has uh, appeared in stuff like Fargo, uh, the, I think, new at this point point uh maybe or maybe it's still upcoming i'm not sure five days at memorial the uh, miniseries mm-hmm. about the hospital uh during hurricane katrina uh and better call saul where she uh played mm-hmm. um what's her face Ketter- kettleman K- yeah K- ketterman's yeah she was oh yep. okay. so i was like she looked really familiar but in my head i was getting her mixed up with the girl from becker who was in saw <laughs> sure sure Lauren. i'm just saying like that's <laughs> Like, that's where my brain went at first, but then I was looking at her filmography, and it's like, no, the shitty thing I knew her from was Hitch. If we're going to talk about weird shit that I would have recognized her from, it would have been that and better If if anybody's first instinct uh, for any actor or actress was Becker, it was probably going to be Lauren. Lauren was probably going to be the one to try to draw that line. I don't even think Ted Danson would have drawn that line. I was going to say, Ted Danson is a wonderful actor. Oh, he is. He's wonderful, but if you look up disposable sitcom in the dictionary, you will find a picture of Becker. Uh, but, uh, what I also didn't realize is that she's making her first of six appearances through 2003. I didn't, re- did oh. not realize that this character sticks around beyond this episode. Uh, so today I learned, uh, a, somebody named jungle Bob gets brought in. Uh, I must've looked away to, to write a note when this happened he's because a, I don't a homeless, man. homeless gentleman. Ah, okay. Uh, he stepped in a trap he had set to protect his stuff, and uh, Luke asks for Malik to help out, and is told Abby is handling traumas. So awkward. Their their collision course lengthens. Uh, Rachel has showed up, uh, looking much different than the last time we saw her. Uh, turns out 
T-1000 kicked her out, and she took the train up here by herself. And uh, this is our for- <laughs> our first non-re- non-reshot recap appearance of Rachel 2, played by actress Hallie Hirsch, who ha- appeared in stuff like You've Got Mail, Speak, and Lolita, uh, is largely retired now as an actress. Um, really, I think, has been retired for quite some time. Um, one of the more fascinating uh, ER alums in terms of like what she's up to now. Uh, up until recently, she was like living off the grid in a yurt in like North Carolina somewhere, where she owns an organic donut shop uh, and raises her kids. Uh, she is a very interesting follow on uh, Instagram. We'll just put it that way. Uh, but she is making her first of fourteen appearances through the end of the series in two thousand nine. To be fair, 13 of those are in this season. Yes, uh, very, very heavy in season eight. I think it's in season 10 she makes one or two token appearances. Uh, and then, of course, she's back for the oh, series finale. Yeah, she does make oh. one or two token appearances around the time that Corday is leaving. Um, ah, okay, gotcha. And then uh, we see her again at the uh, in the series finale. She's so great in the series finale. Yes. Yeah, it's, it is a, a nice little closing of the loop without being too overly uh, schmaltzy and too overly saccharine. I'm I'm big fan of it. Uh, I'd like to point out her donut shop is called Whole Donuts. Yeah, it's it, like I said. Donut holes. <laughs> she seems like she lives a very interesting life. Uh, she's definitely worth a follow on Instagram if you're looking for new people to follow. All right. Uh, can, can I go off on a tangent real quick about the donut shop that just opened by us? Uh, <laughs> all right. If, but if this episode clears two hours, remember whose fault it is. Nope. All right. Keep going. Keep going. Keep they going. make they make their donuts uh, with a potato base. And it's so good. Okay, go ahead. Anyway, uh, let's go back to the newborn. Uh, someone tied its cord off with a shoelace. Fun times. Uh, Chen is asking for someone to get Weaver because, again, she's just doubting herself on everything. And Carter, to his credit, though, successfully does uh, get a good vein and a good IV into the umbilical cord. <laughs> yeah. Uh, not quite as bad as the toe from last episode, but it's no, uh, but it was my, pr- my still stomach, pretty oogie. My stomach just, like, drew in. It's like, stuff's not supposed to go there. Like, nope. <laughs> Um, but we learned that elevator maintenance is working on getting them moving again back to Maluchian gang. Uh, and he leans over to the EMT and he goes, if you get scared, I'll hold you. Which is like the dumb shit I say to Lizzie all the time. And it doesn't work for us. And we've been together 10 years. I can't imagine how well it's going to work for him. As I just Uh, hold her now. And he freaks out everybody in the elevator. He's like, if we, if we fall, you know, I'll hold you. And they're like, what? We're going to crash. We're going to plummet. Everybody freaks out. And then the guy behind him vomits blood everywhere. Great. Beetlejuice, man. All right. So let's go to our next audio clip here. Mark and Rachel are in the waiting area. Good song. What? I love the song. You listen to Abandoned Pools? I do now along with everybody else within a six-block radius. It wasn't that loud. Don't come crying to me when you need a hearing aid. Oh, yeah, and what about those old Led Zeppelin records you always playing? Okay, they're albums, not records, and they're vintage, not old. Whatever, you still play them way louder than this. Chicken or beef? Dad, I'm a vegetarian. I knew that. Mom thinks it's just a phase. Like, hello, it's called a healthy lifestyle. Maybe you should try it. Exactly what happened between the two of you? I told you, she kicked me out. She did. I came home from my friend Stacy's and she had thrown all my clothes out on the lawn, so I left. Why'd she throw your clothes out? She's crazy. Seriously, I think she needs therapy. 
she grounded me last week for being home a half hour late. I mean, come on, Dad. A half hour at summer vacation. I'll call her. Don't bother. She's beyond reason. Does she know you're here? Rachel, you gotta let her know you're here. Why? What, why? Because she'll be worried to death. So what? Hello. Rachel. <clears throat> she dropped in for a visit. Well, that's a nice surprise. How long are you in town for? Are you here for the consult? Yeah, roulette happy. That's mine, end stage okay. dementia. Mm -hmm. okay, I'll be right back. Call your mother. Bye. Mark, you didn't tell me she was in town. I didn't know. She ran away. Why? Join the circus? I don't know. She and Jan are having mother-daughter issues. I'm sure you know what that's like. I didn't run away from home. No, of course not, because your mother would have set the hounds out on you. <laughs> First off, these writers sat in a room and went, okay, what five cliches can we put in to make abundantly clear that Rachel is a teenager? Yeah, I was going to say, Lauren, <laughs> as a former teenage girl yourself, yeah. were you ever anything <laughs> remotely like this? Ask my mom. Um, no, well, I don't think so. I, did, I, did go, I didn't go through a rebellious phase. I went through a rude phase mm. that, like, I was just, like, I just was cursing up a storm and everybody, uh, my stepdad stopped that real quick. He does, you know how how little how hands off and respectful Irv is, and how mm -hmm. much he let my mom parent. Yeah, he heard me swearing at my mom one day. Ooh, mm -mm. that's the only time Irv has ever like spoke at like spoke up at me. Like not yelled, but just the the firm parent voice. He was like, "Don't talk to your mother like that." Like. Don't you? Like, were you actually, like, just, like, angry swearing at her? I, I was just being super disrespectful. I don't even ah, remember. Okay. I was just mouthing off. And he was like, he was like, no. Like, he, he, he was hands off for a lot of stuff. But with that, he was like, uh-uh. Nope. Stop that real quick. That don't fly. <laughs> mm -mm. So, no, I, I don't know. I never really did the vegetarian thing. I, I did have my I, boy band, I'll call it my boy band phase with Green Day. That would have been abandoned pools. That would have been my Green Day. There you go. Um, I'm trying to think what other cliches does she have in this episode. Didn't really have the whole mom, mom's crazy issues. Think mom, think your mom's a bitch. Nope. Mom and I are best friends. No one could ever, no one could ever hate your mom. I'm sure someone does, but That's they fair. shouldn't. <laughs> just, just odds of, odds of how many people are on the planet. Somebody probably does. They shouldn't, but... Um, yeah, no, but they, they nail the, uh, cliche teenager on the head. Yeah. She is sort of one dimensional at this point, which, I mean, she's been one dimensional yeah. since, you know, the first time we saw her back in the pilot episode. So it's not really like, it's just at this point, it sort of feels kind of, um, um, uh, pointless. Like why they recast. I mean, I guess, you know, Rachel one was much better at the precociousness thing than Rachel two will end up being at, at being the moody teenager bit and then yeah. eventually coming back together with her dad. But it's just, you know, at this point in the episode, I was like, Oh boy, like I'm, I'm remembering all the reasons why people don't like this character at first, you know? And yeah, so. I can't see this version of Rachel saying, daddy, is that man going to die? <laughs> Yeah, no. And much as I also can't imagine, you know, lispy little Rachel one being like, I just want to do ecstasy, you know, and just like. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know, like they were I've always maintained that like the, the actresses that portrayed Rachel's one and two respectively were perfectly cast for those versions of the character. I just wish exactly. that they I just wish that they looked a little bit more physically. I know, alike. The hair, the hair completely drives me nuts because it's completely different hair textures and colors by this point. Exactly. Yeah. It's, this is a different little girl. Like this is a different child. There's no no getting around that unless she's had major plastic surgery there's a different child in front of us 
but um, I don't think Jen's gonna let that fly in her household. Oh no, no, no. Well, we'll get into the T one thousand in just a moment. Uh, but for now, we go back to the elevator where uh, Blood Guy is not breathing. Malucci is working on him with his hot EMT friend. Uh, and has one of the other passengers in the uh, elevator helping him to apply cricoid pressure. Guy pukes more blood, so they have to roll him onto his side, and then uh, pa- another passenger is bagging him. Uh, and he's like, you know, one, yeah. two, three, bag him. Like he's, this Sorry. is, again, another example of, like, Dave competent doctor like we get an like this this felt like an, an old school under pressure yeah this felt like an old school Doug Ross moment like this yeah. is mm-hmm. this is like yeah he's still being like coy ladies man but he's also really good at his job and like it's 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 really fascinating and really interesting how much they're packing into this episode for him uh we then see uh Abby working on the trauma with Luca uh, and she's not responding to him when he gives orders and there's some awkward follow-up about if she found all of her stuff and he tries to apologize and it's just like, you never seem to be happy with me. And it's just very like one word answers. And, uh, on his way out of the trauma room, Abby asks, so what now? And Luca replies at first, you're, you're not sure. Is she talking about the patient they were just working on? Or is she talking about the status of their relationship? And Luca is probably also confused and is just like, you tell me. So, it's going great. It's going great between these two. Totally fine. Totally uh, Everything's fine. great. Uh, and then we go back to, it's, it goes back to my theory that all these people need, all of them just need to date more outside of work. That's really what, yep. that's really what it boils down to. Because guess what? When you break up and you still work together, it's really fucking awkward. But uh, how else will they meet someone? They li- basically live at the hospital, Daniel. How have any doctors ever in the history of the world met somebody outside of work? Well, the, the nice thing is, is that we're past, uh, you know, we're firmly into the early aughts now. So, you know, online dating will be like, like I mean, online dating already exists by this point, obviously. But it'll be oh, yeah. it'll be like a real like, you know, machine here very shortly. Uh, and we'll come to play. Later in this, that's true. Later in the series, very true. Uh, we go back to the elevator. Uh, they're going to perform a retrograde intubation on uh, yeah. Blood Guy, which is really cool. Yeah, it is it very actually cool. is a really neat technique. But like, and again, just shows how fucking resourceful and good under pressure he is. Right, and I love when he. I love how like again how calm he is. But like, I love how when he pulls the wire out, he hands off the thing to the guy. And he's like, "Don't stick anybody with that." Like he's just very like you know still cracking Tube. jokes. Tube. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Carrie and Romano, and then Carrie and Romano are talking about the Marfan's case from last episode, and Romano's like, "This is why, uh, this is why we have attendings." And Carrie tries to tries to weasel out of it by saying, "I can't be everywhere at once." And Romano says, "Wrong answer." Yep. And as they're finishing their talk, uh, they're walking towards the elevator, and the elevator comes down, empties out, and you just see Malucci <laughs> in the thing, and you just see Malucci on the ground with the EMT and the patient, he just goes, who's your daddy? <laughs> Which never fails to make me laugh. It's a good one. Um, then we go back to the newborn. Baby is pinking up, uh, but they need to call DCFS and foster services. This Lizzie pointed out, because I was staring at my computer taking notes. Uh, here we see the baby, cry- or we hear the baby crying in audio, but it's not moving at all. Like at most, yeah. the mouth is going, Neh. I'm realizing I'm in a visual medium right now. Like the mouth is barely opening and closing. Nothing else is happening. That is from, that's a fake baby from a closet full of babies. Throwback to one of our (laughs) earlier interviews, closet full of babies. This was out of the fake baby drawer. Um, I've never seen one more glaringly obvious than this one. 
But um, a woman comes in to check on the baby. She's the one who found it at the church. And she brings her sister in to look at the birthmark on the girl's chest. Uh, after they leave, uh, Chuni explains, because they're speaking Spanish, so after they leave, Chuni explains that they think the birthmark looks like the sign of the Virgin Mary. And Chen's like, yeah, it does kind of look like a bleeding heart. And then she uh, thanks Carter for the help. But then Abby offers to get Carter a cane for his limp because he's still got glass in his foot. Uh, she goes to check his foot again out in curtains and tells him what happened with the fish tank, gets the glass out, and pretty much says that that he owes her. And Carter says that she should replace the aquarium or Luca will think she's vindictive. So she's like, Carter, you gotta come with me. Come help me replace it. We'll pull a heist. It'll be fine. Uh, and then Chen asks Carter if he discharged her chest pain birth control patient that she had asked Carrie about earlier. And Carrie gave the woman to Carter after taking the patient from Chen. Oof. We have a new patient here, an old woman with a possible appendicitis. Our husband is talking about how they met and her current condition. She has end-stage dementia, I believe, is mm -hmm. what they mention. Something like that. Alzheimer's. Um, yeah, she, yeah it's, it's end-stage dementia. They don't specify Alzheimer's. I used Alzheimer's as shorthand through yeah. here a couple times. But, but yeah. Uh, so her appendix definitely is does need to come out. And the husband asks if a ruptured appendix would be a painful way to die. And he wants to just let her go but not have her suffer. And Mark says that's that's doable and orders some more morphine for her. So she's not in any pain. And the husband does have power of attorney. It is established. And the husband here, uh, Mr. Tanzi is the character's name. He is played by actor Mario Racuzzo, who appears in stuff like The Majestic, the TV series Life Goes On, and the uh, infamous HBO series Luck, uh, which was canceled after, I think, a handful of episodes because of too many horse deaths on set. What? Uh, yeah, it was a show about horse racing, uh, okay. and I think it starred Dustin Hoffman, uh, and it uh, they suffered, like... I feel like it was like at least three or four horses that died on set within the first what the shit within the first like several episodes. And so it finally just got shut down. They were like, this is ridiculous. So yeah, look that story up. Uh, and uh, Mario here did unfortunately pass away just uh, last year in 2021. So, oh. uh, but uh, we go from there to uh, Rachel who has uh, called Jen uh, to, you know, at, per Mark's instruction, per Mark's instructions, just to let her know where she is. But then she runs into Mark crying and uh, Jen is telling her that she's going to have to go to summer school. And Rachel is just insisting that she's a bitch and, you know, she's crazy and blah, 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 blah. She even throws in uh, the Mark thing uh, that throws it in Mark's face a little bit. And is like, you know how crazy she is. You left, which is like, gotta, gotta stab him right in the heart. Just a little bit. Oy. Uh uh, Carrie then says a GSW is coming in. They go off. Uh, she goes off to the ambulance bay to meet uh, the ambulance that's coming in. Opens the ambulance door and finds Malucci and the hot EMT doing the dirty business and fires Malucci on the spot. And okay, so here's another example of like this episode being wildly different than I thought it was. I really thought that this scene and the Nazi dyke thing were like back to back. Like, nope. I, right? I really nope. thought that, like, she fires him in the ambulance bay. They go back inside. They have has they has fight. And then uh, Malucci says what he says and walks out the door. And I just 
my little mind was blown watching this episode that like we have like another half of the episode to go before we have that mm-hmm. confrontation. Just wild to me. And that goes to commercial right after that, and we come back from that. Malucci asks Carrie if he's really just fired or if it's just a suspension, and she very much insists he, that he no longer works there. And he writes his name back on the board after she erases it. Oof. Uh, Mark is going to try and play peacekeeper with Jen and Rachel. We learn Jen is flying to Chicago to check on her and like to bring her home. Uh, a random rugby guy says he saw the baby and now he's all good to leave. He doesn't need anything further from Mark. Okay. Of, of I, note. I love the... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, of note, I believe the jersey the guy's wearing, they reuse that. Remember yep, that yep, yep. With, uh, that guy with the collarbone? Oh, and, yeah, yep, yep. Yep, and Archie and the cheese? 100%. Yes, they, they definitely have used this one before. But the through line of the baby being a miracle is one of my favorite just little things that goes on in this episode. Mm. That, like, the Spanish woman says her arthritis feels better, I think. Um, rugby guy says his shoulder is better. Like, it's just, it's a nice little ongoing thread. Mm-hmm. But uh, Malucci asks Mark if he's really fired because Carrie seems to think he is. Um, the wo- the dementia patient, the woman has wandered off. She's not up in her bed anymore. Everyone is chasing Mark, needing something. It's a very overwhelming sequence. Abby asks Carter if he's good to go and do their little heist. Uh, Cleo's labs came back, and she doesn't. She is still HIV negative, according to her tests. They have like one more round to do in three months, but essentially at this point, she she's presumably in the clear. Mm. And uh, a woman from the Ren Fair says her nebulizer isn't working, and I think it's Cleo goes, she'd probably breathe a little easier if you took the corset off. <laughs> and I think it's Mark who goes, you want to do it? No, cor- that, that's that's Cleo. It's, okay, yeah, got it's, it. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's just... Cleo and Carter, I think. Got it, thank you. Which is yeah, which is like, such mm-hmm. a like odd combination. It's one of those, it reminds me of the like season one, season two era, where we would get these weird combinations of characters sometimes where they were clearly still trying to like iron out character dynamics. And they would just be like, ah, throw these two in a scene together and see what it looks like. You know, like Benton and Carol, like that kind of thing. And that's what this sort of felt like to me of them putting Carter and Cleo in a scene together and be like, ah, let's just see what this looks like. And it was like, I don't know that we've seen these two interact for longer than 30 seconds the entire time she's been on the show. Well, here's another 30 seconds. Maybe a minute. Uh, But Chen's still working on the baby whose sats are still dropping a little bit and still a very, very fake baby. (laughs) Uh, appendicitis woman is still is down here in the trauma room uh, she's wandered off Carrie finds her and sends her back to her bed and watches Chen work um, Carter's being very su- supportive of Chen mm-hmm. like oh it's a great a great pickup I wouldn't have thought to repeat the blood count so soon and of course Carrie is like baby's anemic you get blood not exactly one for the journals such a fucking like unnecessarily shitty yeah. thing to say. Like, I mean, ugh. We, we, I mean, we we sort of talked the whole like thing to death with Carrie last week, but it's just like, oh god, this is, this is not a great era of Carrie. We'll say that. And I, I uh, we haven't really mentioned it that much yet either. But lots of good little like Carter Chen friendship moments in the early mm-hmm. parts of this episode too. Like, like you said, Carter being very supportive in this situation and just the the kind of back and forth between them when he's getting the umbilical line in. Like, he's just, he's, in that respect, he's good boy Carter. Like, it's always good to see the two of them have good friendship moments. Um, so we go back to Mark with the uh, Alzheimer's couple. 
dementia couple. I'm sorry, I keep using it. Just like Lawrence said, I'm using it as shorthand. Um, but he tells man how his wife will suffer in the next few days because they are under the uh, now that her so her moment of lucidity when she walks off and and you know goes to she goes to she wanders off because she's trying to find the source of the crying baby and then when she comes back she is much more lucid and recognizes her husband for the first time in a long time and Mark is like yeah that probably means her appendix burst and like she's you know now relieved of the pain and like she's temporarily a little bit more clear-headed but like this is not a good thing like this is this is a harbinger of things to come and so he's trying to like impress upon the husband here who's like oh she's cured now like she hasn't recognized me in years so he's like yeah this is gonna be really painful and really bad so you could maybe maybe just you know let us (laughs) let us do it but uh so he's like it's been two years since she said my name is it too late to perform the surgery and mark's like yeah we can do it but it's gonna be really fucking gnarly like maybe think twice about this um and all the while while he's trying to explain that to this he's trying to advocate for malucci to Carrie, who's there like he's trying to like he's like malucci is not the first doctor to perform an unauthorized physical in the hospital i'm such so a, glad i got that in the notes yeah such a great thinking phrasing of it thinking back to uh mark's own tryst in the bathroom in yeah. early season yeah. one um but and like uh, doug did it plenty of times yeah there's actually a quite a delightful reference to that incident uh in one of the listener responses that lauren is contractually obligated to read uh so but not by my request by the listeners requests oh the li- yeah okay <laughs> the listeners were like lauren needs to read this um I... but they're gonna have a surgeon come down and speak with uh mrs tansy uh for, but uh we then go to carrie confronting mark about how he's handling all this and mark calls her out on being controlling and taking all the patients fair point and uh, then he's back on the Malucci uh, thing where he's like, you can't get rid of him just because you don't get along. Otherwise, you'd have to fire all of us, which is a heck of a zinger. That's that's, that's, that's back a, to some like season two shit. That's a big burn. Yeah. But am I right? Like that feels back to how everybody treated her in season two. Well, I mean, from a on. from a, you know, character standpoint, I mean, it is a little bit of a regression back to that season two carry with a little bit less kind of like personal ambition and more just kind of like personal ass covering yeah she's very much overcompensating to cover her ass yeah but jen's here already i guess teleportation was invented in 2001 well you know when you can melt down into liquid metal and like transfer (laughs) across physical planes uh you get there fast is what i'm saying she just melted onto the plane and then as the plane was overhead she just dropped down from the plane onto the uh helicopter and i know we've addressed this with carry this season we will certainly be addressing it next week when one susan lewis makes her grand return uh but what Yay. what were the hair people smoking this season like what it's so bad that haircut is one of the worst haircuts and jen jen green has had a lot of bad haircuts in her brief time brief appearances brief and infrequent appearances on the show but this might be the worst one where it's like holy shit and then they that pantsuit ain't doing her any favors either. Like that, that like weird 1960s green pantsuit that she's wearing is just like, 
this whole package is just really well, she just made partner at her law firm which somebody else pointed that out too in the the listener response they were like how many fucking times did this woman make partner because it's like it seems like every time they talk to her she's always either on the verge of making partner or just made partner that's like their favorite go-to it's like the only lawyer term they know and so they have to just keep going back to it uh but yeah poor jen like never had a chance oh and then <laughs> i love this Carter and Abby are outside the building at Luca's, and Carter is holding the aquarium at the door. Uh, Abby realizes she left the keys up in the apartment because, of course, she did because she was grabbing her stuff and then leaving. Um, we learn Luca sleeps with the window open, so she's going to break in via the fire escape. And uh, Carter, she climbs on Carter's back to climb up it. The escape is stuck, so Carter jumps to rescue the aquarium, which is falling over, which leaves Abby comically hanging in midair, screaming. Yeah. Which the- of note, of note, just two fun white people, yeah. just well, doing, doing a break. Well, and, and Carter does say like, like what the fuck is like this is bad, yeah. and Abby goes, nobody's gonna care, like nobody's gonna notice. The uh, so they they mention it. Yeah. Like, yeah, this is sus. The the aquarium falling over to requires multiple laws of physics to be violated. Like because they have it fully leaned over on the wall, not in any danger and of tipping over. To... And someone would have to push it from the backside to get it to tip the way that it tips. And it's just like eh, I don't I don't believe but, that this is tipping naturally. But Daniel, Daniel, the comedy. Think of the wackety schmackety. Think of the yuck yucks. All right, let's go to our next audio clip here. Uh, Jen and Mark are talking about Rachel. She doesn't listen to a thing I say. She ignores her curfew. She doesn't do a damn thing around the house. How would you know? You're never home. I just made partner. Excuse me for working so hard so I can put a roof over your head. You made partner? Yeah. Congratulations. Thanks. Dad. Rachel, sit down. Obviously, there's a lack of communication here. Sounds like to me, Rachel, you could be a little more responsible and... Jen, maybe you could spend some more time. I am responsible. I've given her 14 She's years. I am tired of being her maid. Tired of being a mother is more like Can it. Can you blame me? Right, time out. We'll finish this at home. We're getting on a plane at 5.30. Maybe I'm not going back. Rachel, I had to cancel my whole day to be here, and now I'm going to be up all night doing a brief. Well, I'm sorry I'm such a pain in the ass. Dr. Green, we need you. When she used to push crayons down the toilet. Seriously, Mark, you've got to help me here. Now, Doctor. I'll be right back. That escalated quickly. <laughs> but was that almost a semi-functional conversation between Mark and Jennifer Green? I can't, I can't even imagine. Couldn't, couldn't be me. Time does heal all wounds, I guess. So they're a hot mess, basically. Mar- yeah, certainly uh, Jen and Rachel are. Like I said, I, I was. Yeah, I'm, that's that was more what I yeah, meant. I'm. It's that moment. I, I'm. I live for those moments of like genuine civility between people who used to be at each other's throats. Like yeah. you know that moment where she's like, "I just made or I just made partner. I'm just about to make partner," and he's like, "Oh, that's really yeah, Congrats. like good for you." Like w- when you consider that probably the last time we saw these people, it was like you know really toxic. So it's just nice to see. Uh but then we have an auto versus pedestrian accident accident brought in. A woman was already laying in the street when the car struck her. We learn slowly through this trauma that she has a severed umbil- umbilical cord. She's a retained placenta. I don't know how they know that just from what they're looking at, but okay. And she is missing a shoelace. Hmm. Hmm. 
hmm, are we putting the pieces together, little Junior Jumbles? Um, then we go back over to Carter and Abby. They got the new aquarium in and installed. They're putting the fish back in. When the doorbell rings, they freeze. And comically, Abby creeps up to the door, looks through the peephole, and it's it's the police. Oh, no. Just a little light B&E as a treat. It's, it's fine. Uh, back to the trauma with the newborn's mom. Her name is Anna, and she keeps insisting that she does not have a baby. Which is factually um, true. She doesn't have one at the moment. But she says she would never had like she was like I'm, I never had I never had a kid. Oh, all right, well you got me there. No, yeah. Uh, but she does need a splenectomy, and she yeah she keeps insisting she doesn't have a baby, and they wheel a baby in from the next room, and she she breaks down and she says I thought God would protect her. Oh, yeah, about that. Yeah, I mean the baby's okay. I so. mean I guess yeah. Maybe there is something to all this miracle stuff. I don't know. Uh, but we go back to Carter and Abby, uh, now in the back of a police car. And uh, we hear that Kovac, or, uh, that uh, Carter is going to be calling his lawyer because he assumes when Kovac shows up, he's going to be pissed. And uh, I think it's Abby who says, well, what are they going to arrest us for? Aquatic mischief? <laughs> and Breaking and entering is against the law, it people. Is, it is. I like how we're, we're doing more legal analysis of this very silly B and E the murder at the end of last season. Jake is like punching the air right now. Like where he's like, there were two murders last season and you guys didn't give a shit. And now one little B and E and it's like, uh, we want to play law and order. Uh, Luca does show up. Dun, dun. Uh, Abby is a little concerned about how pissed off he looks. Uh, but, uh, Luca does him a solid cuts him loose and, uh, tells the police to let him go. All right, let's continue the, uh, Rachel, Cult, the Rachel debacle saga it, maybe or saga yeah. yeah adventure there we go uh Mark finds Rachel out in the ambulance space let's listen to that. Rachel your mom's waiting out front for a taxi thanks I know growing up can be tough but you can call me anytime yeah until mom takes away my phone privileges again it'll be okay no, it won't. Rachel, what do you want me to do? You can let me stay here. You can't. Why not? Your mom would miss you. Right. You'd miss your friends. They're only a phone call away. I'll make new ones. What about school? They have schools in Chicago. I just want to spend more time with you and Ella. I've got a baby sister who doesn't even know me. And Elizabeth is totally smart and cool, and she's a great role model. Are you serious about this? Yes. It's a big move. I miss you, Dad. I'll talk to your mother. Yeah, you're going to regret that, Mark. Well, yeah, and like Rachel going like, Elizabeth's so cool and smart and such a good role model. And you're not going to be thinking that real soon, sweetie. Your dad literally killed a guy. Well, that's just, uh, you know, protecting his daughter, I guess. Like, uh, it's, uh, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. You know, just trying to look on the bright side here. Uh, but yeah. Tomato to murder. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Lord. Oh, there's a the sticker. <laughs> 
Just have cra- I cracked uh, myself up. Just have Lauren uh, standing over a patient with with paddles, <laughs> covered in ketchup. No, it's yeah, it's got to be over a tomato with the paddles. <laughs> oh boy, Lauren, Lauren. Anyway. Lauren. Sorry, Daniel. I didn't keep my. Promise. I know. Remember what I told you before we started recording? I said if you you can't be you can't be burning off the episode of the season performance on episode I, three. I can't peak. Yeah, you you can't peak this early. That's not good for your uh, cholesterol. That's okay. But she's gonna turn over the mic to me way more in the later part of the season, true. so I can just sob uncontrollably. <sighs> well, for now, we go up to the OR where Lizzie and Doctor Babcock are in surgery with Shirley. Uh, Babcock is, uh, says he's in a rush because, oh, I'm sorry. I, I have completely fucked this up. (laughs) Lizzie and, uh, and Mr. Carrie Weaver are in surgery with Shirley. Uh, Mr. Carrie Weaver is in a rush because he has Cubs tickets. It's 2001, dude. The Cubs aren't that good. Like, I mean, Sammy Sosa, like, I mean, there's Sammy Sosa. Sammy he's Sosa, still a, the yeah. He's town. still around, but he ain't 1998. Sammy Sosa. You know what I mean? Like it's a we're a couple of years past our prime here. But look at that time, the Cubs were like the only thing going well for the state of Chicago. Specifically, Sammy Sosa was the only thing going well for it's the state of Chicago in terms of sports. It's really true. I mean, we're only like four years off of the White Sox winning the World Series, so I know. we're getting there. Uh, and the Bears making it, at least making it to the Super Bowl. The Bears are around, you know. Uh, but uh, <laughs> is it uh, is it Mr. Carrie Weaver who says it's maybe it's God's way of saying her meter is out? Yep. Is is yep. this? Poor I was just gonna say, is this the beginning of them starting in on that whole thing? Um, yeah. Lizzie pauses for a second and Shirley yells at her, and turns out Lizzie fell asleep standing up, which is honestly something I'm not. I'm surprised Lauren has not done in the 160th episode and counting. I'm surprised that we've never had to once wake Lauren up in the middle of an episode. We've had some weekend at Bernie's moments where I've had to sunglasses from like lights bothering me, but I have never actually fallen asleep on a recording. Knock yet. on wood. Yet. Yet. We got so many more to go. Yeah. Don't, don't, <laughs> don't, just, don't jinx us yet. And I was falling asleep randomly on the, just sitting up on the couch, just coming up for like five but, minutes. But still yep. never live on mic. Has, has not true. happened yet. That's very true. Uh, but let's go to our next audio clip here. Romano is talking to Benton about his surgeries. Peter, you missed a good one. Seven gunshots with like a scavenger hunt. What have you got? 20-year-old with a fractured spleen and retained placenta. Did you call Coburn? Yeah, she's on her way down. She's going to try manual extraction under general anesthesia. Uh, hopefully it's not an accretion. Dr. Benton, there's a young man out here looking for you. I'm sorry, Peter. What's wrong? I can't do this. Not right now. Uh, Jackie, I'm getting ready to go into surgery. I tried. I really did. Okay, okay, listen. Why don't we just talk about this when I get home, okay? Reese is the sweetest little boy I know. I love him like he was mine. But he's not mine. And every time I see him, it's just not fair. Jackie. Jackie. Is he scrubbing in with you, Peter? No, I just need to find somebody to keep an eye on him. 
Uh, don't look at me. I'm gonna go down to daycare. I'll be back in two minutes. Oh, no, 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 I don't think so. Go home, Peter. Get your personal life sorted out. But I'm getting ready to perform a splenectomy. Not anymore. She stands a better chance of surviving if I do it. Go on, spend some quality time with your son at Chuck E. Cheese or something. Uh, we cut out before the 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 music cue. Because, I, mean, I understand why. Yeah. It's very visual. But I just want to highlight how good this moment is. Like the, the moment we're about to talk about, I want to highlight how good it is in that that clip is a minute, 17 seconds. If you add in the little music cue and you add in the little visual bit, it probably goes to about a minute 22. So that means that you're let, let's round up and say a minute and a half. So like, let's say for the remaining 42 minutes of this episode, you could like dig up the corpse of Div Svetic from season one, bring him in, do a hand fart noise directly into the camera for 42 minutes. This episode would still be a 10 out of 10 because of this moment. Yep. Mm-hmm. yep. That's how good Top it 10 is. 10 moments of the series. It's so good for me. It's so good. Easily, easily Armando's peak. Oh my God. It's incredible. Like I just, it's the little the little head nod as he gets Reese's attention and the the signing and then the music hit it just eh, 10 out of 10 I also love I want to put point this out they don't subtitle nope. it he mouths it a, a little, little but but you don't really know yeah. like just says take care of your father in sign language Ugh, just 10 out of 10 no notes I love it so much like end the episode here like there's no more what more could there possibly be like like i said you could do the most you could you could do the biggest you could do the biggest shit post episode ever crafted around that one minute and a half 10 out of 10 top 10 episode of the series all right well let's move on from that uh to chen and malucci out in the ambulance bay hey we have a change of mind yeah not yet she will she's just mad at you He's always mad at me. This is different. Well, maybe it'll blow over. You know, I... I should have seen it. I didn't focus on the media style of my... I didn't even look at the x-ray, Dave. Because I told you it was clear. I mean, I, I thought I was doing the right thing. I just... I just wanted to save the guy. And... You know, they say you're not a real doctor until you've killed a few patients. What are you going to do? This is the only thing that I've ever been any good at. I'm going to be a doctor. Ugh. Bellucci's finest moment. Yeah, like, holy shit. And, and like, a, a scene that I had zero recollection of. Like, that just goes to show you how, how yeah. uh, like, how dominating the last scene of the episode is, that that is the impression you're left with with that character, that this scene completely forgot it existed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And even some of the shit he says in a minute. Yeah. Is, it's, the thoughts. Yeah. I, I hate that we have interview syndrome with this, but thoughts. It's true though. See, I see, I don't. You need to listen to that interview. I will. You do need to. Like, oh my god! Because the guy was like, it's one of the most. Uh, certainly, I think. Uh, I think we can say with full confidence now that I think that is he is the person who was like highest in the cast hierarchy 
that we will ever get that honest of a mm-hmm. a perspective was, from like yeah the, the higher up in the food chain yeah the higher up in the food chain you go the more guarded the responses become because obviously you know they've got a career to think about and, and an image to project yeah. and like you know there, there's it, you're not going to get an Abe Ben Ruby type of conversation out of somebody who's in the main cast Noah Wiley right you're not going to get that out of Noah Wiley because Noah Wiley's you know got leverage to think about and the librarian series like he has all these other things he's working on that he's trying to maintain this image for and Eric Palladino was like really, really super transparently honest with us. And like, dude had a lot of complicated emotions going on at in his personal life at this time and with the show. And like, you know, like, like I said at the top of the episode, like this feels almost like a slap in the face where it feels like we're going to give this guy everything he wants as he's leaving. For his <clears throat> Yeah. But because he decided to go, we're going to write him this, you know, somewhat complicated episode. Yeah. Or two. I mean, yeah. And that's his send-off. And he's getting everything he wanted, but it's the monkey's paw that now you're going to go. Right. And I have to imagine, too, that, you know, I mean, I, I, I'm pretty much guarantee you that, like, the, the horse is out of the barn by this point. Like, there there is no going back on that decision. Right. But I don't know how you look at these dailies as, you know, a John Wells or, or whoever's, whoever's looking at the footage of this as they're shooting it. I don't know how you look at this and go, yeah, I'm going to let this guy walk out the door next week. Like, I don't know how you yeah. look at this and go, fuck, I should have probably have written something a little deeper for him. Like, I probably should have done some extra legwork. Mm-hmm. So, so, Lizzie, your homework is before we do the Malucci retrospective cast retrospective you need to listen to the interview okay it's a it's an excellent because i know we got to save some of this it's all it is also really nice but. too that uh you know one of his last really really his last great moment is with chen who mm-hmm. is somebody who he singled out in his interview as being somebody that he was actually really good friends with and that yep. he he really Aww. enjoyed working with and was yep. one of his favorite people and so like it, it was nice to see that like he got that little send-off as well that he got to like go out working with one of his closest friends on the show was was it a uh, Kelly Martin? He said he wished he had gotten yeah. to know better on the show and spend yep. more time. He singled with. out Kelly Martin as somebody that he wished that those two characters had had more of a chance to interact, and that he wished that his character could have enhanced Lucy, and that Lucy's character could have enhanced his character. Like he he wished that there was a, a more of a dynamic between those two because they really don't get a chance to interact that often. And so yeah, I mean just it can't recommend that interview enough if you haven't listened to it already. It's I know it's been out for a week or two on the free feed by the time you're listening to this and it's been out for almost a month on the Patreon side, but like if you if for some reason you have been putting off that interview or have been saving it, go listen to it because like I said, I don't think we will ever get somebody as high up the food chain like somebody who was on the show in the credits in the main cast who would be that brutally honest with us as he was about not just his time on the show and the experience, but what he as a guy and he as a person was going through at that time. Like, it's just really, really fascinating. So we go from there uh, back to Abby and Carter. Back to the episode. (laughs) Where were we? The pit of despair. Ah, yes. Uh, Abby and Carter getting back to Abby's place with some of the ugliest goddamn wallpaper on the wall uh, outside of her door. Uh, We learned that she borrowed a car uh, air quotes borrowed a car for wham tickets uh, because they're having a conversation about didn't you ever didn't didn't your parents uh, ever have you brought home by the police and carter's like uh, no <laughs> you know polite rich boy and uh she invites him in for coffee but he has to get up early tomorrow 
and her upstairs neighbors start shouting and uh that totally breaks the moment and uh any almost kiss that they might have had and i only i could not help but be thinking about uh what kind of misadventure awaits abby with upstairs neighbors uh either later this season or maybe next year uh, i honestly can't remember but it's uh I hate not it. great bob as always i don't remember what we're talking about uh one <laughs> it's like i'm watching the show for the first time uh christina hendrix has entered the chat that's all i'll say uh but yep. uh we then go over to mark and lizzie catching up at the end of their day mark tells her that rachel is going to be staying with them now and poor lizzie who this feels like it should have been a larger conversation i i love her line though. that shows yeah. exactly she agrees with you Daniel. she's your daughter mark of course she can live with us the fact that she's still here says you already said she could oof mark green husband of the year oh god lizzie you want to you want to take us out on this one all right uh so it's come so to this i want to I want to say this. We just spent five, ten minutes talking sugar about this. We talked sugar on the interview. We're going to talk sugar in this cast retrospective. But, oh, these last few minutes. Let's, mm. let's listen in. Uh, Malucci has defied Weaver and is working on another guy from the Ren Fair. No singed nasal hairs. If you lean back far enough, the flame burns away from your face. That's the key to fire eating. Yeah, so what happened today? Usually I smear my stash with Vaseline. Today I forgot, so I used hair gel instead. I, um, guess it was flammable. Yeah, guess so. Okay, let's shave off the rest of the mustache and debris the skin. You can't shave my mustache, it's my trademark. Dude, it's half gone. I'll get an extension or something. I'll give you some nails, Give this to Dr. Hey, Carter. Hey, enough. And give it to someone else. Look, look, Chief, I know you're pissed, but come on, let's be real about this. If you really wanted to ax me, you'd have to go through the residency review committee and the disciplinary committee, and then they'd want to counsel me. The best you're going to get is a suspension. You have five letters in your file for unprofessional behavior. Me and every other You've doctor You've been counseled here. each time. You have failed two rotations. Yes, there will be a meeting of the residency review committee, and yes, they will once again offer you counseling, but I'm telling you right now, you will never work in this ER again. What the hell is your problem? You, Malucci, you're my Why? problem. Why, because I don't kiss your ass? I mean, you know, I, yeah, I like to have fun sometimes, but I'm a damn good doctor. I had a half a dozen great saves yeah, being today. Being a good doctor is more than just great saves. Oh, really? What, I need to adopt your cheery attitude and sparkling bedside manner? You know, this isn't about my performance, is it? Or my rotations. You just don't like me. You're right. I don't like you. You have no respect for me, your coworkers, this hospital, anything. You like to think you have this whole cowboy approach to medicine, but the truth is you don't have the goods to back it up, so you make mistakes, mistakes that kill people. I need this job. You can't fire me. I have a kid to support. Since when? You never said anything about being a father. Did you ever ask you? You don't know a damn thing about me. Well, I know you're fired. You're a sad, cold-hearted bitch. Somebody you know call that? security. You may not like me, but nobody here likes you. Get out. You. you know why this stupid ER is so damn important to you, lady? Do you know why? Because it's the only thing that you've got in your life. Good Nazi dyke. All right, cut it there. Like, just cut cut those yeah, last two, two words. words off, and it's actually pretty darn good. Also, too, again, going back to the, the outside context, I feel like... So, like, there's, been a, there's a lot of, like, uh, speculation, fan conjecture uh, about the I have a kid to support line. 
it's mm-hmm. kind of a 50-50 split in the fandom at least as far as I can tell about people who think that was a legitimate thing on his part or that w- that that was a uh like desperate plea to maybe get some lenience like that he just made that up in the moment to um you know maybe maybe get a little bit of a, re- <laughs> a respite um I'm less hung up on that like I'm less concerned about whether or not he was telling the truth in that moment um because I sort of feel like we've talked about this a lot that like Malucci feels like a little bit of a Doug Ross vestigial organ like he feels like a little bit of like mm-hmm. a, a, like a little piece of Doug Ross that was left behind and I feel like that's just an extension of that like I feel like you know the the kid thing that also was a thing with Clooney's character like that he had this this son that existed only in the shadow realm um but from a outside context standpoint, I look at that line much differently now when he says, you know, I have, you can't fire me. I have a kid to support. And she goes, you've never said anything about that before now. And he goes, he replies back. You never asked, which feels like such a meta line. It feels like Eric Palladino talking to the writers a little bit. It feels like it it feels like him going, there was so much more to me as a character and you just never bothered to ask the question. It's him talking to nerds like us shit posting about his character on Instagram <laughs> 20 years later. Like it's a, it, it, it hit me different. Like it really did hit me different. This Absolutely. Time where I was like, yep. there is between, it was that line. And then the line from last episode where he's like, I do care. Like I do. I, I like yep. just something about that. I was just like, man, like this is, and, you know, th- I think there's not an uh, – because he did also mention in the interview, too, that him and R. Scott Gimmel were, uh, were and are really good friends. And R. Scott Gimmel is one of the writers of this episode. And I have to imagine that there's some kind of connection there, too, of, like, he's going to give his buddy a good zinger on the way out the door. And, like, he's going to – and also R. Scott Gimmel has a little bit of a reputation, as we've seen, for, like, really immature humor. He of the uh, Furries episode last season and Mars Attacks and all that shit. So, like, yeah. the the Nazi Dyke thing makes a little bit more sense in that context. But it's just, like, I don't know. Like like you said, Lord, we have to save something for the, the Malucci retrospective. But but that's yeah. one that I think and that I mean, when, even- when we were mapping those out, I think we circled that one as an easy one to do because it was like, ah, it's Malucci. Fuck him. Who gives a shit? Funny man, fall down. Nope. And, like, I'm not sure we're going to get through that episode without crying. Like, it's just a really, like, <laughs> now I'm like, I don't know. This is completely different. Like, It's the biggest missed opportunity so far. 100%. For show for me. 100%. But even, even bigger than Lucy. Yeah. Uh, at least at I least Lucy got her like heroic moment. Yeah. I'm I'm going to say this. I'm going to stop us there cuz we want to save some yeah. of this for the retrospective. Yeah. Guys, how do we feel about the episode? And I will well it's a 10 out of 10 episode. Kay. That's that's 9.5 cuz the slurs. I the, and honestly you know the what? slurs were not I, as bad I, as I remember I, them being. You're right. Yeah. I was gonna, yeah, I was going to say. Let me let me let me let me just explain please why please, please, please. i think the slur was okay <laughs> the beginning of it <laughs> always the beginning of a great thought <laughs> no <laughs> i'm no i'm just trying to i'm because we've talked about it so much we've ta- been talking about this for yeah. we've ta- this moment we've been talking about it for well, weeks well we've if been talking about it since he showed up yeah. on the show like we but like we've been talking about it like we've been hyping it up yeah over the last yeah. few weeks and I've thought about it a lot and just relating on a level where I have also said 
some truly horrible things to people who in the moment I just wanted to hurt. Mm-hmm. I completely understand wh- why he would go there. Yeah. The venom. If, yeah, if he is just trying to cause as much damage to her on the way out as he possibly can because he's so mad at yeah. her. Because she's taking everything away from him. Yeah. And right after, with the context of the previous scene too, right after he's just recommitted himself to being, you know, the best doctor he can be. And like, this is the only thing he's yeah. ever been good at. Like he's just had that moment of like self-actualization. And then she is like stamped out any remaining hope that he had. Yeah. I am not saying it's okay to throw slur, uh, gay slurs at no people, but I can understand it in the moment. Character motivation, it makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I will say about that. But yeah, solid 10 out of 10 episode wouldn't change a thing. Yeah, I, I'm i giving this one a solid 8.59. We're back. Yeah, de- definitely yeah. off the schneid, that's for sure. We're, we're back, in the, back in the win column, and I hate that it has to come at the expense of a character that we have really come to love. I mean, if you, if you go back and listen to his first appearance in, in season six... Did you ever think when you're when I'm listing off the Malucci facts that we would somehow end up here? Like I don't think I don't think that was in the cards. Can we revisit that list on the, on the I'll, yeah, yes. I'll, I'll yes. have to go back and, and look those up. Patreon.com/slash/which I also want to point out if you're if you are sometimes yeah if you're somebody who listens now. you know to things as they come out in in order which you know god damn it you should be uh, we put it we put enough <laughs> effort into the fucking backlog. Um, that, of course, will not be coming after this episode. That will be coming after next episode. Because next he episode, does make yeah. one more appearance. He does not have a, uh, much, if any, of a speaking part. But he, he has no lines. Yeah, but he is in the episode, which I felt warranted us at least punting for yeah. another week and, yeah. and doing Good. it then. Yeah, it was, and he does some great physical, act, physical acting. Yeah. Like, just with his facial emotion body language yeah, yeah body language. so we have we have not seen the very last of malucci but we have seen the we've heard the last of malucci for sure yeah and i'm just again continually like blown away by what a what a i feel like if nothing else interesting happens for the rest of our time with this show i feel like this experience yep. will stick with me of just like taking a character that i had zero time for the first time i watched the show couldn't yeah. have cared mm-hmm. less about I have now done a complete 180 on. And Jake's going to make fun of me for it, and I don't care. No. And we were honest with him during the interview. Oh, brutally. I was, like, I was brutally yeah. honest. I, <laughs> my exact words were to him were, I can't wait for this fucking asshole to leave. <laughs> and, you know, and it's just, you know, that that obviously we plays. We had a very candid discussion. Yeah, the, the candid nature of the conversation obviously plays a huge role in our feelings. But also, too, like, it is just, like, it's part of the reason why we try not to gloss over things. It's part of the reason why we try not to only play the hits. Like sometimes you do have to go through and dig into the minutia a little bit to find those hidden gems and find those characters that you have sort of dismissed and you have tossed aside because there's some things in there that you've genuinely got to re-examine. Or you've blown out of proportion True. on yeah. the other side or favorites that you're like, oh, they're not so great. I can also very much see if you're binging the show like Jake – he, I can understand where he would come down on the I hate this character side yeah. because you're seeing it's so compressed. Right. Whereas we're, the way burn. we're dissecting it week to week, we're finding all those little pearls of greatness within Malucci. Right. Because we gotta. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh boy. So, yeah. 
But what the listeners have to say about it, though, Lauren and Daniel. I was going to say, yeah. Are you going to tell me the one that I was supposed to read? All right, so the only one that you are contractually obligated to read is Mm -hmm. Aaron's. Aaron's is a contractual obligation you have to read, but I am uh, more than happy to tap uh, tag in and uh, read any others that you need help with. All right, well, I will get us started because it looks like if we relatively alternate, that will be good. But uh, Brittany L. says, this is one of my favorites and comfort watch episodes. I think it's ER at its best as far as a mix of comedy and drama. Until the end. There's no saving Malucci after the slurs he uses, which I guess is the point, but it still feels unnecessary to write him off that way. Can I just say it's one slur? It's really one. Yeah, it's it's one. Nazi's not a slur. Nazi's yeah. a fucking fact. Yeah. Um, not about <laughs> not Harry, about Harry, but, just yeah. in, but in general, that's not a slur. Yeah. You can literally just be a Nazi. Yeah. That's not a de- derogatory term. If you're a Nazi, you're an asshole. It that's should just, be a derogatory term. It should be, but not in the way not in a cancel culture way in a your piece of shit way anyway uh rodney c says this episode highlights to me an annoying trend of er from carla to malucci to things like luca and ab to to things like the luca abby pairing it seems like they deliberately have characters do and say really shitty things to justify what they are doing in the writing room they couldn't just let malucci leave with some dignity i don't even mind him leave i don't even mind him leaving angry but it's always a step way too far, much like with Luca's heinous words towards Abby. Luca and Abby's breakup actually makes a lot of sense. I think a large part of why Luca and Abby 1.0 didn't work was because neither of them were actually ready for the commitment. Deal with that without getting ugly. The Romano signing moment is an all-timer. So brief, but so memorable. I swear they've done Jackie not being able to take care of Reese because he reminds her of her son twice or maybe I'm going crazy. I don't think they have yet. I think this is the only time. Yeah. I'm not having weird episode deja vu about <laughs> it at least, which I don't know. Uh, lastly, I commend them for subtly showing why Abby may be more drawn to Carter. She has fun with him in a way she just didn't with Luca anymore. Luca voicing the fact that she never seemed happy with him is a nice tip of the hat to that. At SMB for the win, this episode is all the nopes. We get the new and decidedly not improved version of Rachel, who I will refer to as Rach Hell. I can't I can't even feel bad for Mark, who is clearly blindsided at her appearance because he in turn blindsides his clearly overwhelmed wife by allowing Rach Hell to stay. Big fucking nope. That is the last thing Lizzie Corday needed. New moms deserve way better treatment than what Elizabeth is getting with this deal, particularly because she has already told Mark she desperately wants the help of a nanny, and he blew her off while making her late for a shift. Like, sir, hasn't one woman already divorced you? Are you trying to get a second divorce? Mark is over here showing off his lack of marriage skills by flat out ignoring the needs of his postpartum wife while not acknowledging that Elizabeth is his partner, thus should be a part of all big impact decisions. He has always given me relationship red flags, but this has been one of the big reasons I do not like Mark as a romantic partner for anyone. It also starts the storyline that always leaves me hoping that Corday would divorce his ass and gain back her personality in the settlement. They just seem checked out as a couple at this point, and instead of helping his wife in marriage, Mark helps Rachel. The highlight of this episode, and consequently its saving grace, is Romano signing Take Care of Your Father to Adorable Reese behind Benton's back off to eat a giant Reese's and imagine a better marriage for Corday. And always last, but certainly not, not least. Not last. The there's t- one that comes after. Oh, there's one oh. more. Oh, Oh shit. Okay. Uh, I'm so used to Aaron's being the last. Okay. Well, 
Okay. At Full Time Dad says, Oh man, first off, season eight and transposing new characters onto classic scenes. Just no. And they try to make Fetch happen again in season 12, and nope, we're not stupid guys. We know it's a new Rachel, a new Roger, a new Alex. It's just such a silly thing to do. Now, back to the episode. I hope we can all cherish these last few ep- these last few episodes we have with Peter because we not only lose him, we lose that sweet cherub Reese who engenders one of Romano's most human and beautiful moments. And we also lose Condi Alexander who struggles after Jess... It's Candy, isn't it? Yeah, one day I'll get it right. And we also lose Candy Alexander who struggles after Jesse's death are heartbreaking and authentic. You can see the equal parts devastation, depression, and exhaustion on her face when she tells Peter that she can't watch Reese. The Benton extended, extended, the Benton extended family, aside from the MIA Walt and their ever-changing children, have been one of my favorite parts of this show since season one. The show definitely is going to miss all of them. Oh, okay, I can't, I, I'm wondering why I, this is the one that I had to read, but here we go. You know, I actually was on Team Dave in this episode until the last 10 seconds of the episode. Carrie was clearly scapegoating him for the Marfan's death in an effort to save her skin in the game. He had no idea that was at play, so all he thought was she's firing me because she hates me, but she has always hated me. I mean... Banging an EMT in the ambulance bay isn't exactly the brightest idea, but like Mark pointed out, he wasn't fired after Jen slobbed on his knob like corn on the cob in season one, so that can't rise to the level of a terminable offense. You thought you'd break me, but you didn't. Again, the only person who knew the reason was Carrie, and that type of underhanded maneuvering is why she's so polarizing. And then he had to go piss all that goodwill away with his infamous last words. Awesome. Face palm emoji. <laughs> you thought me, you'd get me, but you didn't. I didn't break at uh, all. No, you didn't. You got through it. You got through it. Oh man, mm. I, it wasn't me that. Uh, that's a, by the way. That's an wasn't me. I have first. Have, I first have to say that's an excellent turn of phrase. I'm not even mad. <laughs> That's the that's, that's the English major in Lauren right there. <laughs> I wasn't even an English major, just a nerd. Yeah, but you know, spiritually. Yeah. yeah I guess. <laughs> All right, who who I'm I'm looking on the fucking Discord right now to set, to see who said I had to read that. Go uh, ahead, carry on. So yeah, finally at which we had to close out on this one because she's nothing if not the number one Malucci stan in our fandom here. Uh, at microplastics 804 first acute memory about this episode my millennial is showing but those of us who didn't know sign language had to go to the message boards the next day to find out what what it was romano signed to reese and then collectively melted at what is arguably the sweetest romano moment on the show carrie's defense mechanism of covering her ass by micromanaging the hell out of everybody absolutely tracks even if we can't understand why she would have left the er on a busy night when Jigmei's confidence is shaken while working on the baby and she says, somebody get Weaver, I should not laugh, but I always do. Speaking of Jigmei, when the camera get, goes to her after Anna says, I can't have a baby, all I could think was, we get it. I also hate how much I love her brief scene in the ambulance bay with Malucci, which showed us a different side to these chuckle fucks TM because <laughs> all they did was fight with each other. But maybe they should have kissed? You tell me. Which brings me to Malucci. David... Beloved, my fuckboy in Christ, he was truly on Jesus one. Christ. With his last scene here, he really committed to what I can only assume is his Joker era. To this day, I still have to mute the end of the episode because it was so unnecessary and I instinctively wince at the slur he throws at Carrie. But for me, one of the best things about that scene is Anthony Edwards in the background not even pretending to be on the phone while this is happening. 
Boom. Shout out to Microplastics 804, the number one Maluchi stand since day one. All right, well, that's going to wrap up our episode for today. Thank you all very much for listening, as always. This show is brought to you in part by our patrons over at patreon.com slash podcast. For only $1 a month, you can get access to our show notes each week, and for only $5 a month, you can get an assortment of stickers, including one featuring our favorite desk clerk, Jerry, two-week early access to all of our cast and crew interviews, and over 60 hours of bonus audio and video content, including the full season recap episodes, a free-form monthly bonus show called The Lounge, movie reviews where we talk about a movie featuring an ER cast member, and Who's Fix Are Those, where Lauren reads us some ER fan fiction. Gotta get on that. Yeah, I know. We'd also appreciate it if you would follow us on our social media accounts. We are at SetTheToneER on Twitter. We are on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Podcast. And we are at Saying the Tone Podcast on Instagram. Also, be sure to check out the official Saying the Tone community on Facebook. Our theme music is provided to us by Andrew M. Edwards and Daniel Work. And folks, find you at... They can find me on Instagram at dan.u. That is Y-O-U dot E-L. They can also find me on my other podcast, The Popular Court, with my co-host Jake Terrell, where we do a different pop culture topic each episode and put it through a little mock trial. And Lauren, where can folks find you at? Folks can find me uh, moderating the STT Discord. If you want the link, just let us know on the Facebook or where any other social media, and we'll get get you on it. If you need lessons on how to use Discord, let me know. Also, Happy New Year, everybody! This is our last episode. Hey, I was for... say that. Ha ha! I you need to do jerk. it. I you can cut that out, and you can do your actual. No, happy it's New okay. Year. It's okay. But yeah, Happy New Year! We did the math, and this is our last released episode for 2022. So thank you all for another great year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can find me on Twitter. I'm at randomgamer. That's J M three R. You can occasionally find me on Discord once I'm summoned. Yeah, you've got to summon Lizzie yes. with like, I don't even know. You just got to summon Lizzie. I, I'm a very shy person. I anyway, uh, thank you very much uh, for all for listening for this entire year. Hopefully you're and if you're a new listener, yeah, we welcome. We love you. Uh, when we'll see you guys next year. We, I guess, 2023. Yeah, we had a couple new listeners join the Discord and they've only been listening for a few months. So right. come party. All right. Bye everyone.